Today is All Saints Sunday, the day when we remember those saints who've outrun us to heaven, those who in this course of the year have gone on before us to that eternal home. It's a bittersweet Sunday in that we can't help but gather as those who have saddened hearts, um, remembering those that are not here present with us physically like they have been in the past. And yet it's also for a Christian a time of great celebration because we remember who they were and who they are to us even today. And we also celebrate what our faith says loudly and clearly about this life is but the beginning. Eternal life is our eternal end. You know, I want to say this morning that we continue our sermon series entitled, Why Church? And in this sermon series, we're making a case for uh, how the church stands and must stand relevant to today's society. What is unique about the church? What are those things that we uplift that the world, we believe, needs to hear and be about? Today we gather uh, around the theme of enriching relationships, and I dare say there's nothing more important to the church and our message than what relationships are about to us. How we experience God in relationship, right? And how we experience our relationship with others as our godly commission. So we gather here today on All Saints Sunday to celebrate the gift of enriching relationships. And I want to challenge you as we go forward into this sermon to be thinking about those enriching relationships in your life, those persons who've made a difference to you, which will be easy for the families of those whom we'll honor today. And the rest of us, I want us to participate as well in thinking about those enriching relationships to us. I also want us to remember today that as we gather, we gather with uh, heavy hearts for those in Pittsburgh in the Tree of Life synagogue who lost their life um, on Saturday uh, eight days ago now. Today in our traditional roll call and the ringing of the bells for our saints, uh, Tom Hudspeth who has talked with Rabbi Heidi at SMU is going to share with us a very meaningful remembrance of those 11 who lost their lives in Pittsburgh. And we are reminded again that the church calls the world to relationships beyond our differences, beyond those things that separate us, to be about our unity in Christ. Whether or not that person um, whom we are called to love is a Christian or not, we are called to love with the love of Christ. May God bless us as we go forward this day. You know, I mentioned earlier that, uh, that Scott and I have written the book together, and uh, we'll be, um, be out uh, signing books today, but what I want to say about the book together, and to me the most important aspect of it, is that it's your story. It's the Lover's Lane story. And you can't tell the Lover's Lane story with up, without uplifting the gift of relationships, right? And those enriching relationships that have made Lover's Lane to us what Lover's Lane is. And so you'll, you'll see some saints who've gone on before us. Uh, those saints whose memories continue to feed us and continue to bless our lives. It's about enriching relationships. 
So today I um, have been thinking about uh, those enriching relationships in my life. You know, some of the characters who've blessed my life, I've preached about for 20 years here, and I've shared with you about people who've made a difference to me. And many of those people you've never met, but you feel like you may know if you've been listening about those people who've made a difference to me. You know, I couldn't help but this, uh, this last week, but think about uh, Bill Henson. Uh, I wrote a book about him about 14 years ago called Lord He Went. But what I remembered was that his very last sermon that he ever preached in this life was in Huntsville, Alabama, First United Methodist Church, the 815 worship service. Uh, the pastor let him preach that, and I'm sure they had a big crowd at 815 because he was a wonderful preacher. But his last Sunday to preach was All Saints Sunday, the first Sunday of November, 2004. Three weeks later, he had a brain stem aneurysm, and, and he died uh, some weeks after that. I remembered him, and um, I, I decided to look back at that old sermon because I did have it, and, and uh, I, I came across a story that I thought was just um, a classic Henson. And so I'm not going to try to tell it. I'm going to read parts of it because you have to kind of hear it from him in order to fully appreciate it. But I share it with you because here's an enriching relationship that still makes an impact on my life. Bill said, in a weak and restless moment when all of our children were still in elementary school, Gene and I took our kids on a three-week camping trip to California. They lived in Georgia. In a wild and reckless moment, we allowed our children to invite three friends to go along with us. Now let's get an image of this. This is a van pulling a pop-up tent from Georgia to California to see the Pacific Ocean with six children elementary age. The first night, Bill reported it wasn't too bad. They camped at a place somewhere in Mississippi where Bill said, there were mosquitoes about the size of English sparrows. And to make matters worse, as I was putting the pop-up trailer tent down, we, I sprung it somehow, and it never would completely go down, which made for an interesting ride the rest of the way to California. The second night, we camped in Amarillo, Texas, after a very long day. Bill told his Alabama congregation on All Saints Sunday this, I don't know how many of you have been to Amarillo, Texas, but when we say the wind blows out there, friends, that is an understatement as big as Texas. We set up our clothesline and we got out the grill. And we were going to splurge that night and have steak. And then came the wind and it blew the clothes off the clothesline and across the cow pasture. And luckily, they stuck in the barbed wire fence. In addition to that, the wind blew over the grill and there were charcoals, hot charcoals on the ground, which was just wonderful for barefooted children. Determined to make it to the Pacific Ocean, they did. And as soon as they saw the West Coast, Bill announced, well, there it is, the Pacific Ocean. Let's go home. 
They turned around and headed home. Bill said at every campsite, I left something. I left the heater first of all, and then a few stops later, I left the grill. And after I'd left a few more things, Gene said, do you realize that you're leaving things? He said, I'm leaving everything that's going to be a memory of this trip. (laughs) And he reported that someone asked him when they finally did get back to Georgia why he sold his pop-up tent a week later. And Bill said, the reason I did is because it took me that long to get it in the newspaper and sell it. (laughs) I love that man. Who are you remembering today who has enriched your life that to think about some of those uh, experiences causes you to laugh? To think about some of those experiences brings a tear to your eye. But to think about some of those experiences, you realize that you're here today sitting in a church, listening to a sermon, singing hymns, praying because an enriching relationship led you Christ and his church. Let's turn now in our Bibles to Colossians, the third chapter, beginning with the the, uh, eighth verse, and let's stand for the reading of God's word. And as we're standing, I want to say there's a group of confirmands over here from First United Methodist Church in Wiley. Let's give them a hand. Thanks for being here. And now the word of God. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self and its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, or slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another and If anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts. Sing psalms and and hymns and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name, in the spirit of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated.
I want to ask you one question today. What is meant by compassion in light of enriching relationships? What is meant by compassion in light of enriching relationships? Paul said, clothe yourself with compassion. And then he goes on to describe the Christian should, how the Christian should spiritually dress and be dressed to the nines. Clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility, meekness and patience. Bear one another and forgive each other just as the Lord has forgiven you. You must forgive. And clothe yourselves with love. Binds everything in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you are called to one body. And be thankful. You know, this is the ultimate teaching on Christian relationships, enriching relationships. The text is about clothing ourselves or spiritually dressing to the nines that can only happen when the Holy Spirit helps us dress, right? The most important enriching relationship is the one that we have with our Lord and Savior Jesus. Remember how uh, Paul says in Colossians how, how we do everything in the name of, in the spirit of, in the person of Jesus. And so it is the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit who dresses us. First with compassion and then humility and meekness and patience and forgiveness and love and peace, and thanksgiving. You know, it's important to note that we shouldn't come to church half-dressed, though we can, but we cannot be the church together as one and settle for being half-dressed. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to dress us completely so that what the world sees in the church is this body of Christ unified in a relationship with Jesus Christ, the most important enriching relationship that we have, who calls us not to our own compassion, to our own humility, to our own meekness, but calls us to his compassion and his love, his uniqueness. Now I want to ask you something. Did, did any of you look in a mirror this morning? Now I'm not asking that because of the way you look. I'm really not. I think everybody probably peered into a mirror this morning, at least once. You know, we, we wanted to make sure we had it all together. You know, it reminded me of, of, of a friend that I, I played football with in high school. I loved to play football in high school, and I loved my teammates. And um, I was a lineman, offensive and defensive, but this particular friend was a, a running back, and he and I were really, really close. I remember one habit that he had that bugged me. Before every game, Larry Epperson, number 20, would look into a mirror and he'd make sure, you know, everything was just perfect. 
he'd make sure that number was showing and you know his shoulder pads were you know just perfect and right and he'd stand there for minutes now we were about to go on the football field and get all hot and sweaty and muddy and grass stained but that's not the way he went out I said Larry why do you spend so much time looking at yourself in the mirror before we play and he said Stan when I look good I play good I've never forgotten that. Now, I can tell you, and I would tell him, that he always looked good going on the field. He didn't always play good, but he always looked good. And most of the time, he played fairly well. But I guess what that says to me this morning, have we looked at the way um, we've dressed, or that the Holy Spirit's dressed us, or we've allowed the Holy Spirit to dress us? You know, it's about that all-important enriching relationship with our Lord. When the Lord dresses us, when we allow the Lord to dress us completely, then I can assure you we look really good. And we can play well for the kingdom when we clothe ourselves with compassion and all the rest. Purely and simply stated, compassion is Christ's love in action. Now, friends, other people can be compassionate. They can be kind. They can be meek and humble and all the rest. But it's different when the church uplifts our compassion, our humility, our love in light of the one who dressed us. It's Christ's love. It's Christ's compassion that we share with a world in need. And then Paul calls us to admonish one another, to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and to do everything in the spirit of Jesus while giving thanks to the Father. It's so important that we understand what we are about is about giving thanks to the Father. It's so important that we acknowledge the enriching relationship that we have with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's what this great thanksgiving is all about. I love that here at Lover's Lane, we celebrate All Saints Sunday with the ringing of the bell and the reading of this sacred roll. But we, at the end, all gather around not a Lover's Lane table, but the Lord's table here at Lover's Lane. And and at the Lord's table, all are welcome. And we acknowledge at the Lord's table the passion of Christ that calls us to compassion to others. We acknowledge the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross so that we might know forgiveness and redemption. And so we can carry that good news into the world that Christ died for all of us to be saved. And we can't help but note in the passion of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. Therefore, our cross is empty, yet but a crown of thorns remains. 
And it's that resurrection that we see in the passion of Christ. The two together that reminds us of the strength of the scripture when it says that we'll dwell in a house not made with hands but eternal in the heavens. When we recognize the words of Jesus, I go and prepare a place for you. And when I go and prepare a place for you, I'll call you to myself. For where I am, you will be also. We remember uh, how the message um, reported Revelation 22 and 5. Eugene Peterson, whose name will be read today in his church, for he died a few days ago himself. But he said about that place, not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens. There you need no lamplight. You need no sunlight. For in that place, it knows no night. It's always day. Garrison Keeler, the prairie home companion, in, in weaving his Minnesota lore, told a story years ago about an enriching relationship that he had his Uncle John. And I love the way Garrison told this story, and there's no way I could do it justice, but I love the story and want to share it with you because Garrison Keeler is sharing about his Uncle John who meant so much to him, who lived in his memory uh, for the way that he prayed. He said that Uncle John was a simple man and a person of authentic faith. He wore his Christian clothing admirably, we might say. And in doing so, he made an impact on others regarding his relationship with his Lord. Now, Uncle John was known for his lengthy prayers, especially at the dinner table. And Garrison went on to say, you know, when Uncle John was called on to pray, it was a long prayer. The food would get cold if it was out of the oven. And he said that Uncle John would pray and he would, he would start to remember the passion of Christ and the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and what that meant to him. And he started praying about forgiveness and, and redemption. And, and, and then he started to cry. He always started to cry. And he would cry and cry and a lot of us, he said, would open our eyes and we'd look around and if there was a person who wasn't in the family who was at the table, it was particularly embarrassing. But he said there was something about Uncle John's prayer that brought us to the table. As the story goes, the new pastor and his family were coming over for Sunday dinner and it was the first time that Garrison's family had been with the new clergy family. And the unspoken question in the room was, the fear, if you will, was would Uncle John be called on to pray? And when it came time to pray, Garrison said, my mama was the only one in the family who really deeply appreciated Uncle John's prayer. And she quickly spoke up and said, Uncle John, would you pray for our dinner? And there he went, Garrison said. He started to pray. And he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. And when he started praying about what Christ had done for him, he started to cry. When he started lifting up the cross, he started to cry a little bit more. When he talked about what God had done for him in Christ and, and the redemption of the world, he was blubbering all over the place. He was not quiet about it. 
He was emotional, and he got a little louder and a little louder until he finally, thank God, said amen. Garrison said when we finally all opened our eyes, the new clergy household's eyes were wider than anyone. For they knew that Uncle John and our family must be a little different. And this is what I love. Garrison Keeler said, A lot of people can talk about the passion of Christ and what Christ did for us on the cross. But Uncle John, he never got over it. He never, he never got over it. You know, I guess my sincerest heartfelt prayer is for all of us that we never get over the enriching relationship that we have with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he has done and does for us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that we will allow Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit to dress us to the nines so that his compassion that calls us to remember those whom we love and calls us to gather around a table where we share in a common holy communion and we're reminded about those who've outrun us to heaven feast at a heavenly banquet. Now I spoke to someone this week who gave me a challenge and I'm going to take her up on it. I'm going to give you something to do. She said that I need to give you something to do. So, preferably at lunch today, or before you go to bed tonight, you'll share a brief word about someone who enriched your life, who now feasts at the heavenly banquet. Now that'll be easy for those of you who are in families of those whom we'll call their names today. But I challenge all of us to name somebody today at the lunch table. Or maybe you'll write a note. I'm not talking about a letter. I'm just talking about a, a, a note that centers on one aspect of Christ's clothing that this person wore that enriched your life. And here's your assignment for before you leave the room. Today is your serve communion. I'll be over in crosswalk, but as your serve communion. When you receive the body and the blood of Christ and you hear those words, Christ's body broken for you, Christ's blood shed for you, just respond with the name of that person whom the Holy Spirit is calling to your memory today. That'll be enough. Just hear the words about the body and the blood of Christ and just say the name, the name of that enriching relationship that you thank God for today. Amen.